Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List, and this is Mindful Metal Jacket. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I'm here in New York City. It is a lovely, hot day, and there is uh, forest fire smoke all throughout the atmosphere. I can stare straight at the sun, and I thought my neighborhood was on fire, but it's just a big, giant wildfire out west, as per usual drifting across the country. What can you do but I'm keeping hope as you'll hear. How are you doing folks? I hope you're doing well. Uh, a lot to, you know, a lot of stuff going on. We got some variants. Are you worried about COVID? I feel pretty good. I got the Moderna up my ass and um, I don't know, I'm not too worried about it, but LA I guess has masks or whatever. It's a bummer, but what can we control? What can you control when you're suffering? Ask yourself, what am I trying to control right now? And for me, the last few days, what I've been trying to control, the atmosphere, knowing when I'm going to die, what the future is going to be like, things that I can't control, and that causes suffering. So let go of it, folks. That's what I'm here to tell you. That's what I think. I'm coming out of it a little bit, feeling a little bit better. Um, a lot of wonderful words about this podcast, as we'll talk about today's guest is my dear friend, Isabel Hagen. She was on about a year ago, I guess, a little over a year ago, must've been June of last year. Anyways, one of the early guests, she's back on, always love talking to Isabel. She's a great comic. She has a great web series called Is a Violist. She is a violist. Um, and she's a wonderful comedian. She's been on The Tonight Show. You've probably heard me talk about her before, either here or talk with her here. I've been a guest on her podcast. Talked about her on Tuesdays with Stories before. She's great. You should know her. And uh, we're sort of anxiety buddies, very similar anxieties, OCD, things like that. So we have bonded over that. I think we actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the Steve Rogers and Andrew Chabon episode, which was great. Didn't get a chance to plug it because I was on vacation, but it was great. Thank you for all the kind words. It really is encouraging. And that's why I continue to do the show. And I'm glad it's helped you if it's helped you. And um, I hope it will help you if it hasn't helped you yet. But anyways, this was a great episode. We talked a lot about uh, hope and fear and control and what we can control and serenity. We talked quite a bit about climate change. I hope that doesn't trigger you if you're whatever. So um, I think it was great. And there was some laughs. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation that flew by. The show is easiest when I'm chatting with a close friend. Um, and it's been a few weeks in a row. We had Steve and Andrew on, Ian, Lara, Ron on, and uh, Isabel. And I'll get some more Buddhist types, experts, doctors, therapists. Um, but they're trickier to get and it's more stress. And I got a bunch of crazy stuff going on, exciting stuff making a film and I've got three podcasts on the road and trying to be a good husband and citizen and stay sane, which is difficult. All that being said, I'm glad you're here. Appreciate you. Please, if you're not already, subscribe either to my YouTube channel or to the podcast, leave a nice review, a comment or share it. The best thing you can do is share it and, um, and check out Joe and Ron on Talk Movies, Tuesdays with Stories. Subscribe to my YouTube, as I just said, and subscribe to Isabel's YouTube. 
All right, like I said, this episode is about hope. And I got a quote here from Arthur Miller, wonderful playwright who I've never read one thing of his. Oh, wait, maybe he's an author. I'm confusing it. Is Arthur Miller Tropic of Cancer? Or is Arthur Miller Death of a Salesman? Or those both? Who's Arthur Penn? He directed Bonnie and Clyde. I'm a little better with movies than, uh, you know, books, whatever bullshit. Anyways, Arthur Miller, he wrote, I think it's a mistake to ever look for hope outside of oneself. And we talk about that here. That's right, folks. Look for hope within, not without. Ah, I stink. Enjoy this conversation with one of my best friends, the hilarious, the wonderful Isabel Hagen. What's the clip? You clipped something on there. I discovered this little clip thing. It keeps the this oh. mic closer because sometimes my hair will like brush up against it. Yes, I had that so. one time with you specifically. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, that... I don't know if it was on a podcast or just a Zoom Zoom. And then there's a couple other people when they do. It took me a long time to realize that because we did so much Zooming that certain people had like... And then there's dudes that have like long beards and that thing will scrape in their beard and it makes me insane. Yeah, well, that's embarrassing that that um, happened with me too. I feel bad. But I then I did a podcast with these like, basically they were like people who worked at the Apple store. I mean, they had so much technology and they also have a podcast and they were like, oh, there's like a little clip on your uh, on your headphones. Yeah, that's a good thing yeah. to know. I don't, but so, but we're not, I'm not hearing you through that microphone. I'm hearing you through the microphone you're holding, I presume. Assume. I guess. I don't even know if this is like, like, do you hear that? I do. Yeah. Should I just not use headphones? You're not using headphones. No, but I get a lot of shit. I'm bad at podcasting. I think I'm good at being on podcasts and hosting podcasts, but producing, I, I just stink. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I have a Zoom. I mean, I have a Zoom recorder. I think I sound okay, and it comes through. And I'm finding because like now everything's in person again. But with this podcast, it, it's weird to have a producer sitting there when you're trying to have a meaningful conversation. Because it's not like comedy. We're talking about anxiety and vulnerability and stuff. So it's weird if you just have like a guy on the ones and twos ignoring you. And. Right. And also, it's easy to get the video this way. I, you got your video, my video. It's sometimes awkward to me. I guess it's one thing in a studio if you have multiple cameras, which becomes very complex. But it's weird if we're sitting next to each other with a camera in front of us, and I have to just like talk to you like this. And we're just like in this. this right. To me. This is more intimate. We're we're alone. It's we're. More intimate and less intimate at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? We're, we're not like looking at each other from this distance. It's like awkward to be like, tell me about your childhood because we need to be next to each other because there's a camera. You know what I mean? Yeah, but isn't it also awkward to be like, tell me about your childhood and then it like cuts out because you're on Zoom? Yeah, but hopefully it doesn't cut out. That's yeah, the, no, I, I think Zoom pos- podcasting is great. Like it saves, I would have had to travel like an hour to get to you. Yeah, or so, I, would, I, would, I would have traveled to you. Oh, that's nice. But, you yeah. know, it would have been an hour of travel time. Yes, whereas... ex- exactly. And then I have you in my home, and then there's that weird thing of it ends, and you're like, all right, 
<laughs> and I'm like, you want to hang out? And you're like, no, you just please leave. No, this is content only. This is a content <laughs> relationship. Exactly. Um, anyway, do, how do you do your podcast? Because you have a podcast. I want to make sure we plug that. Oh, well, my podcast is on hiatus, potentially, possibly forever. Oh, no. So, what happened? But I just, um, I really wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled by it anymore. And I was dreading it every week. And I think there's a difference between like something feeling hard and dreading something. So right. I just realized and it wasn't, you know, it kind of plateaued at a certain number of downloads and wasn't growing. And I just decided like, I don't have to do this. And so I stopped and I might start it again if I feel like it, but there are 53 episodes up though. So if you want to go binge it, it's called good timing with Isabel Hagen, but you know, there might not be any more. So don't get attached. Yeah. I was a, uh, I was a guest on there and there's one for every week for the rest of the year for one. You could go a year straight listening to it. You could. You, you could. could listen to once a week or you could binge it all. Cause it's already up there, but I, um, am, inspired by you because um no i i took a hiatus on this show um but i i find this show to be um challenging but at the same time it's the i've said this before on here it's the best feedback i've ever gotten anything i've ever done the kindest most moving feedback it, it's like people are really touched by it and it seems to really help people um so i keep doing it for that and it's it's selfish i'm not like in my mind i'm not like well i'm doing service for people i'm helping them i'm like oh it helps me to have them tell me that they like it right right it's like it just feels good to feel like you're doing something good for people but that's always the question when you're like a do-gooder because obviously you get a good feeling out of doing a good deed so is that selfish like that's the age-old question like can it can there be a selfless act yeah, there's some guy. What's the guy's name? You're smart. Isn't there a guy know. who's like, that was his theory? Uh, there was a guy. I don't know his name. I forget. <laughs> I think there was, they addressed this on like a Friends episode, and that's where I'm getting it from. So That's hilarious. Uh, In my mind, I'm smart. like, Isabel's very smart. She's cultured. And you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I think Chandler said that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Freud believed we did everything um, for sex. We were trying to everything, every single deed was ultimately to have sex, which I think that's incorrect because like, I bet maybe that's correct. I mean, isn't that the same thing? It's the same as every deed. One, one guy said, whoever it was Confucius or, uh, you know, Joey, whoever it was said, <laughs> you have to, every deed is somewhat self-centered. Like, like you said, even if you're donating money or walking an old lady across the street, you want to feel better than other people. Right. And even if the deed it, for the Freud thing, even if it's not like the person you're doing the deed for is someone you want to fuck, like you don't want to fuck the old lady you're crossing, you're helping cross the street, but you're like, I don't know when I do something like that, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to tell this person later that I did that. And they're going to be like, wow, that's like so cool that you did that. And then we'll fuck. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't you find it's like so difficult because I've read all these books about like true happiness and, and true happiness comes from selflessness and giving and, and um, giving with nothing expected in return is like the seed of true happiness. But I find it almost an impossibility to, I mean, I am a guy like George Costanza. We love, we love Thursday night NBC shows from the nineties. 
um, which I watched <laughs> when they came out. You're a, you're like 11, so it's reruns for you. But um, George Costanza, like I, I do not leave a tip until they're looking, like at a, at like the coffee shop or whatever. But that's not because I, I do that too. Also, cash tips are like because the credit card tip now you don't have to worry. They can see later that you left a tip. But if you leave a cash tip now, they could easy, easily like have their back turned. Right. But that's almost fear of thinking them thinking I'm like a terrible person. Like it's not just like I'm a good person. Now it's turned into like if you don't tip, you're like awful. So if they don't right. see it, I wor- I really worry. But is it awful to not? tip it's just it's nice to tip but depends on where you are like a waitress you're awful if you don't tip but like at a coffee shop you're just uh whatever i mean i that's what i always thought and then i like talked to someone who worked at a coffee shop and they were just like yeah if someone doesn't tip like that's just like they basically don't care about me i mean maybe they were like on their high horse being kind of self-righteous but it made me feel like tipping is just like very important to those people or maybe they're just in babies. <laughs> it's a fascinating topic because at Starbucks, I go to Starbucks and it's an app. So there's no tip option. And I don't even know if they have a, there's a, maybe a little plastic tip thing, but nobody has cash, no cash, no transactions are cash there. And also, I don't know, this is like a whole other topic that probably, you know, um, what's that word branches off from mental health into something else. But it's Sarah and I always talk about like cab drivers. You're supposed to tip cab drivers, but you're like, it's really expensive. And I don't exactly understand. I do tip them. And now, now it's a whole different story because cab drivers have been put out of business and they spent tons of money, all this, all the cab driver stuff that's happening. But some things you're like, I don't understand. Like you set the price and it's like $40 to get home. And Am I tipping you because you got me home safe? Shouldn't I expect that? Isn't that? Yeah, it's, I agree. Like tipping, I wish they would just charge a little more and then we wouldn't have to worry about tipping because it's like, well, I'm not your boss. Like I'm, I'm already paying for the service. Right. Like, what exactly. is, what's this payment? Where's that going? You know? But I, I mean, that way with laundry too, they're like, okay, to clean this amount of laundry, it's $18. And so I'm like, great, I'll give you $18 and you'll give me back my clothes. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, here's extra money for you, even though you already set this price. And again, I tip them too, because whatever society, but it's strange. It's very annoying. If I think about it too much, I get mad. Cause I'm just like, I'm not, yeah, like, why am I paying you directly? Don't you, like, you should pay your workers enough that they don't need to, like, worry about tips. But, you know, that's a whole. A lot of people in tipping businesses actually like the tips, I've heard. Like, like strippers, like, like don't want tipping to go away because, like, some people do very, very well with tips. Like, certain businesses, like, you just, you do, like, twice the amount you would make because of the tips. So. Right. Yeah, I should anyway. be supporting strippers more. <laughs> we should all be supporting strippers more. That's a, that's a good uh, good reminder. Um, one of the highlights of uh, the pandemic for me was there was a strip club in Phoenix that I did not go to, but I drove by it a bunch of times when I was in Phoenix right before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic happened, the sign, we might have talked about this, the sign, the marquee said, sorry, we're clothed. <laughs> and I was like, that's like, I'm not even trying to be funny. That is like one of my favorite jokes of all time. That's like, I still am at a level where like, 
a really great pun, I'm like, that's unbelievable. That is like so good, that joke. Who do you think came up with it? You know, like uh, a man manager or you don't think you don't think one of the strippers came up with it? No, like, no, I don't know. You know it would be I mean, really funny. It might be an old joke, but like I, it could be some joke that's been around before or maybe one of the strippers came up with it or a waitress. I don't know. Whoever did, though, I, I love them and they're like a genius. I think it's also funny because it also just sounds like you're saying closed with a lisp. So it's like extra goofy. Yeah, exactly. It's It works on multiple levels. It's a brilliant um, joke, really. But we should probably switch back into um, <laughs> mindfulness, anxiety, and stuff like that. Because I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid we have like a, a small, loyal fan base of this show who are so kind, and it really seems to help. And I'm grateful that it helps. And then there's times where I'm having a conversation, and I'm like, I can feel we're losing them. Like they're having mm -hmm. like an anxiety attack or going through a divorce or trying to get sober. And we're like, I don't, I don't know, you tip a laundry guy, but not a McDonald's employee. And they're like, this sucks. <laughs> well, so, let's get, well, I don't want to lose them. Let's get, let's get to mental health, which yeah, we both struggle with a ton. So yeah. And, and particularly the last few days in my, in my right and saying that we've sort of been uh, bonding over this and, and you played a, a role in my demise, which I'm, my wife and I are both upset at you. What? I played a role in your demise? <laughs> yeah, because, no, it was more Ronan. And I should stop because I'm upsetting him now because I keep saying it. But this past weekend, I was like on top of the world. I mean, it sounds like I'm joking. I was like literally peaking mentally. I was on Nantucket, which is just a paradise. Have you been to Nantucket before? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> for a moment, it seemed like you were going to pontificate and be like, I've been to somewhere. I've been to Martha's Vineyard, which is kind of like uh, even nicer Nantucket. So there you go. That's incorrect. That is an incorrect. Assessment. Is it incorrect? I've always thought Martha's Vineyard was the fancy one. No, but... Nantucket's like the more exclusive, fancier one. Martha's Vineyard has like the celebrities. Well, that's that's what I that's how I think about it. So because it's like where celebrities are, then isn't it fancier? No, Nantucket is so fancy that they're like, we don't want celebrities. It's like that kind of wealth. Oh, I they're see. They're like, we want like old, real money, not like bullshit Larry David. Right. Celebrities are like laughable to them. Yeah. They're like, they're like, got lucky and we're in a movie. This is like, no, our money comes from like the gold rush <laughs> or whatever. I don't, I'm making this up, but... Um, anyways, Nantucket is amazing. And I've spent time on bulls. Nantucket's better, dude. But anyways, I was in Nantucket and Sarah and I were like biking seven miles to the ocean and then swimming in the ocean, which nothing makes me feel better mentally, healthily um, than <laughs> swimming in the ocean. It's just like spiritual to me. It heals. I don't know if you're an ocean person. I suspect you're not. Um, but I love being in the ocean. Then we would bike back and we we're having like the time of our lives, perfect weather, beautiful island. I was getting some work done. And then one of the nights of the festival, we decided to take it off and just be together. And we, I had a cigar and we were like roasting people as they walked by. And I had a great a couple of meditation sessions and talked to some friends. And I felt like that feeling of like high where I felt like weightlessness of just spirituality and, um, and, and comfort. And I was like, I got to spread this. And so I texted Ron on and wrote, hey, your episode of Mindful Metal Jacket, which was last week, is like the most popular one. People really love you and you really spoke to them. 
And he's like, wow, thank you. And I'm like, you got it. And he's like, I needed that because I've just been in the depths of despair about this climate change and COVID news. And then, of course, I'm like, what what news? And then since then, my life has just been a nightmare. And then the next day you texted me almost the same thing. It was like a pig pile. And then I just copy and pasted everything I wrote to Ron on. And so um, that was a copy and paste. It wasn't a copy and paste. It was uh, you just you always just send me the text you send to Rana and you just always uh, I knew no, it. But he said he talked to you and he's he's relaying your stuff or you're relaying his. I don't know who I got the same advice from both of you and I don't know who it started with. Well, we I talked to him after I talked to you. So it must have been later on because he just messaged me being like, how was your weekend at uh, Comedy Castle? And then I was like, good, how are you? And he was like, oh, you know, stressed. And then we just started talking about it. But we ended on a positive note. He made me laugh. So that was good. That's good. I mean, he's a funny guy. Well, that's the thing I've been dealing with. And this is like going into mental health and helping people and being of service to others. But like, he's like, I feel so much better after talking to you. He's like, you're like an anxiety guru. That really helped. But then I kept it. It's like he just gave it to me. It's like herpes. Like he gave it to me and then he left without it, which is not how herpes works. But... (laughs) The analogy fell apart. But anyway, so we've been dealing with despair. How are you today? Well, I'm sorry that I uh, texted you. I mean, it's just I figured you (laughs) you're someone I you're one of my most like intentional friendships in terms of like, I don't have a lot of friends where when I text them, like they usually know it's because I'm like not doing well or because I'm like checking in on them because we have like a similar anxiety thing going on. So it's like an action I can take when I'm feeling like stressed to text you, hoping that you'll somehow like minimize it or, or, or know that you're going through the same thing. You know, it just helps. Obviously that's like, you know, we talk about that all the time, reaching out and um, I feel like I'm rambling now, but, but I got to a better place through sort of like going down to the deep bottom of despair and then kind of like coming out of it and being like, okay, well, like that's a place I can go to if I want. Uh, it sucks. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we, I, I think I told you this yesterday, like our greatest fear and our highest hope are equally as unlikely. I don't, I, maybe I saw someone tweet that. I don't remember, but that just like clicked for me. Cause I was like, yeah, bad stuff's going on in the world for sure. But like my like greatest fear of me, like burning to death while like starving and thirsty, like probably won't happen. And also me, you know, becoming like the most famous comedian and like loved by everyone in the world also probably won't happen and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. That's what Rana was saying last night. So I think he copped it from you maybe, but, or maybe you guys just heard it both from the same source. I mean, a lot, lot to, um, volley back first of all a you're not rambling i always whenever i'm doing a podcast a one-on-one podcast i always have a like mental pie chart in my head of who's been talking and i feel like i have a way bigger piece of the pie chart so i just was i'm glad you went on a a longer thing there because i haven't people in my head all the time being like he's not even letting his guests speak for god's sakes so please speak freely now let me speak, Joe. <laughs> um, no, Let that's not. Let her enough. speak. <laughs> um, but 
also, I mean, that's really not, I, I mean, I'm happy to be that person. I've never heard the term intentional friend. Is that a regular term or did you just make that up? I just made that up. I'm a genius. Yeah. Um, Cause it sounds yeah. like it, maybe it doesn't work, but it also, it sounds like it could work. I mean, all, if all friendships are, well, no, I don't think all friendships are intentional because sometimes it's just this person you've known for years and years. They don't necessarily add that much to your life, except playing the role of quote friend, like someone you can talk to, but they don't necessarily make you feel that much better. Maybe they're kind of a nightmare too. Uh, so you're someone who like, when I reach out, it's like, I'm hoping to get something positive from it always. Right. I mean, I appreciate that. that makes me feel good. And, and and same to you. And I think Ronan had that too. He's like, that's the problem with like being considered like an anxiety guru for people is that you have to take on all their stuff. But ultimately, and here's like the real thing is that I go into despair about climate change, but it's like the classic therapy thing of like, well, what is really bothering you? Because it's not like there's any like new news. It's not like, oh my God, there's a flood in Germany. First of all, it's not actually affecting me. There's nothing new. We know this is happening and I've been worried about this for 17 years now. So nothing really new. And what's really happening is like, uh, I'm dealing with stress and anxiety with um, career stuff and with like family stuff. I just said spent time with family, which is always tricky and layered and fun and sad and weird. And then I'm doing a big project, creative project that's going to be stressful and a lot. And so it's really more that stuff. Don't you think that isn't it, isn't it weird that your brain can like, sometimes I think it's just, it's upset about this one thing it doesn't want to deal with. And so it creates this other thing. Yeah. Well, I, when I was having the meltdown, I was away at a, at a gig, a music gig that I wasn't really having a great time at for whatever multiple, multiple reasons. But, um, so that was like stressing me out. It was like a, it was kind of a stressful situation for me. So that could have compounded it. And then when you hear bad news, it's like really easy to just focus in on it. Cause like nothing else was kind of making me was taking my attention. I was kind of like checked out. Uh, so I could really like go down a dark hole with this. Whereas if I was in New York doing shows and seeing people I liked every day, maybe I would have been like, yeah, but life is good. You know, we got to enjoy the day. Like it kind of the ability to shift into the sort of present, you know, it'll, we'll see one day at a time. It's all fine mode. It depends on like your situation a little bit sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's other stuff. So it like it's sort of like dealing with um, emotional pain or stress or trauma, or whatever, opens the door for other stuff to come rushing in. So then you're kind of worried about I got to talk to my mother about this one thing, or I got to I'm collaborating with this person that is we have a disagreement on, and so it like opens up that thing. I don't want to deal with that, and so I just let you know, climate change or COVID or whatever, rush in, not to say, and then climate change is a serious thing to worry about. I mean, like, it is like, it's 120 degrees in Portland, Oregon, which doesn't even make sense. It's like, oh my God. Um, but as I said to you before, and I have to remind myself is I've lost like months of my life, just despairing and worrying about this since I was 23. And to date, Nothing has truly directly affected my life. And I have to remind myself, which I talk about on this podcast and life all the time, is to, I think part of our fear with all these things is we think we won't be able to handle whatever happens. In reality, it's like, oh yeah, a category four hurricane might hit New York and we'll have to 
you know, go inland for a week or we'll have to shovel sand out of our house, but you just, we'll deal with it as it comes. Like, I mean, plenty of people were in Katrina and they're rebuilt and they're back now or Sandy or all that stuff. Well, ironically, Sandy, uh, but we'll just deal with it when it comes. Right. Right. No, I don't think we, we like to think that worrying will somehow prepare us for these bad things that may, but we may never even experience. We might, but we might not. We like you, like you were saying, you haven't yet all the stuff you're worrying about, but if it happened, like, would you, if you were like shoveling sand out of your apartment somehow, would you be like, ah, I'm glad I worried about this. Cause now I'm really ready for like, it wouldn't prepare you for it still. Exactly. It's a great point. It's this weird OCD thing. This is the, um, the basis of OCD, which I, I think you have a, as well. Do you have OCD? Do you deal with OCD? I've got a, a smattering of OCD. Yeah, a pinch. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, but I have this thing that, and I tried to do a bit about this years ago. Like you see people like have horrible things and they're just, we, we never thought this could happen in my mind. People that are like climate change is bullshit. They're going to get hit with it. If I worry enough, it won't happen. That's how I prevent myself. Cause then I, there's this moment of like, I told you, I told you our house was going to get fucking washed away or whatever. And somehow that's going to help, but it, it, it doesn't. And I used the analogy before when we were talking about, you know, a guy jumps out of a plane to a skydive and then his chute doesn't open. And instead of panicking, he thinks, well, why don't I just enjoy this? I'm going to, I might as well have fun like doing backflips and free falling, which is basically all of us. I mean, we're all going to die one way or another. So we might as well enjoy the fall. Yeah. There's no way I would be that guy. I would definitely just be terrified. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a... <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and, you know, like you were saying, the people who are like climate change is bullshit and you want to like stress and, 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 you know, prepare them. And then the other side, there are these people who are like in the next few years, like whatever, like some, some terrifying prophecy that probably also isn't really what's going to happen, you know? And and then I get start getting in my head like, oh, I want to like prove them wrong too. Like, well, but it's not that bad, right? And like start and like you just shouldn't engage with either because those people are also dealing with their own anxiety and their own shit. Who knows what they're maybe they have a they they don't want to call their mom, you know? So they're they're dealing with it by making these scary predictions or stressing about stuff that they can't really control. Um, so it's like helpful to remember that everyone is like a messed up human kind of winging it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I think I'm like, I think I have to be a guy that doesn't watch. I'm better when I'm not watching the news and you don't want to be like completely like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have like some awareness, but like some of the new you're like, and the, and obviously the news too. They, if it bleeds, it leads, and all they they want you to click. They want to scare you because that's what works. Same with like so, social dilemma, all that stuff that is trigger. That stuff is it sells. Everyone, it's it's capitalism. They're still trying to sell and get clicks. So you have to put these things out there. And like I said earlier, I sort of alluded to. It's like I know we are in a, a climate crisis and it, it's going to get worse. So it's like at what point do I need more information? It's just that like confirmation of like Germany, they got two months of rain in, in two days and the houses washed away. And you're like, at what point does that not even help me anymore? Like, I'm like, no, of course. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's 120, the food, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's not helpful. Right, like you're not 
like scientists need to know that. And like, I guess people who are devoting their life to activism maybe need to know that, but does Joe list, like, does the world benefit from having like a worried Joe list in the world? You know? No, it doesn't. And, and, and a small part of the world benefits from having not worrying. Right. A funny, carefree, inspiring Joe list. Thank you. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm patronizing you by saying your full name. I didn't like that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I didn't find it patronizing <laughs> at all. I liked it. I was like, yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> fucking right. Call me Joseph List. Okay. Albert. Joseph Albert <laughs> List. Do you have a middle name? Eve. Eve. I think I didn't know that. I think you didn't. <laughs> um, I-E-H. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible initials. Uh, yeah, those aren't great. But my dad always said that he thought Isabel Eve would make a good stage name. And I was like, what did you want me to be a stripper? Like Isabel Eve. <laughs> no, that's not a stripper name. You've never been to a strip club, I think. I've clearly never been to a strip club. So no, I'm getting they're back like, on the strippers again. Yeah, they're like Sapphire and, you know, not Isabel Eve. That's like a well, 50s starlet name. Isabel Eve sounds like a linen company, like a yeah. bed sheets. Isabel Eve, you know. You're getting closer. And here's how you know you're way off on the first one is that your next guess, your next joke is linen. That's not that far off. Is that a stripper name? Yeah, it is. All right. Well, now I feel terrible. So um, no, it's fine. We're having we're having a good time. But it <laughs> reminds me of uh, Nick DiPaolo had one of my favorite jokes ever about this. Always um, there's always one fat stripper and her name is much different than everyone else's. And he used the same two names I just used. He's like, please welcome Diamond to the stage. Please welcome Sapphire. And he goes, the fat one comes up. Please welcome Sheetrock to the stage. And uh, it's like one of the fucking funniest. And he goes, she's bending the pole. And he did a whole act. Yeah, that's great. Um, but anyways, because when I think of mental health, I think of Nick DiPaolo. Um, oh, yeah. Me too. Weird. It's so weird. <laughs> um, but any jizz. So you're feeling better now, yes? Or... I'm feeling better and it's not, I mean, okay. All like in all honesty, part of it is because I've like realized that there probably isn't something maybe to worry about in the next like couple, you know, you, you do kind of like get to a place where you're like, okay, well we don't like, we're going to be okay. It's not mm -hmm. completely me just shifting my mindset. Like I did probably like talk to someone who like reassured me a little bit, who seemed smart, like, yeah, you'll be fine. That kind of thing. So not um, me. Well, no, you helped with the other side of it. You helped right, with like right. the spiritual, which I'm about to mention. Cause like I went for a walk yesterday in my neighborhood and it was just so beautiful out. And I was just feeling very like, you know, I connected to the universe. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I'm just sort of trusting that like whatever happens is going to happen. And I'm, it's okay. It's all okay. Even if it's not okay kind of thing. And I just really got, and I started like tearing up. I get very emotional, very easily. And, you know, I just like called my boyfriend and was like, just want to tell you, I love you. You know, I was just like in a really good place there. And I was like, oh, I can shift into this, this space too. And I don't know what, what, what exactly triggered it, but it, I think, you know, just sort of deciding to like have just sort of have faith or trust or whatever word isn't like triggering for you based on your religious affiliation, but. No, that makes sense. And I, I feel similarly, and there is this thing of of letting go of like it, it's it's difficult and that's like there you know there's like a serenity prayer that i got you know um um grab the serenity to accept the things i can't change and the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference which is like kind of the hardest part of the thing and 
in your mind, like we talked about, if you worry about something or I think like, ah, I'll, I'll recycle, which I do all that shit, but really it doesn't make a difference um, in the grand scheme of things. But you're like, I have to be like, this is not a thing I can control. I can't control the weather. I'm not a Jew. <laughs> um, but I'm a Jew. Yeah. So do your best. Um, cool it down <laughs> for God's sakes. Um but no, I mean, I can't control the wet. And then you have to sit and think about it. You're like, how insane is this? What was that bad? Should I edit that out? <laughs> Just the way you went to the camera. It's like rehearsed. <laughs> um, well, I did. I realized, you know, you're, you're, the brain is ahead of the, the mouth. So I realized I'm about to say I can't control the weather. And so I, <laughs> I realized um, what was coming. But um yeah, it's it's insane. You have this moment of like, oh, this is complete insanity. I am trying to like mentally control the future weather on Earth. And then you realize this is completely insane. And you can come back from the kind of like you said earlier, you can get to a place you're like, let me come back from there, which I always find and it sounds weird, like my brain goes to like suicide, which is like helpful to me because which is different. I don't want to fucking I want to just say like, not, not in a way of like here, I'm going to, I'm going to go kill myself, but I get to the point mentally of like, this is what I could do. If I really wanted to end all of this suffering, I could just kill myself. And then I go, I don't want to, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And then I can right. pull back to like, all right, I'm just here. Uh, let me watch Seinfeld. Right. Everything is optional in life. Not that you shouldn't take the option, you know, like I've, I've done that too, where it's like, well, I might as well, like you have eternity to be dead. So you might as well stick it out and see. Right. And watch Seinfeld. I feel like yeah, that's not exactly, I, mean, I went a little darker with that, but. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's true. And it's like, I was saying, like, we're all heading towards the same place. So you might as well, uh, by place, I mean, death. Um, oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, no, you're going to the stand tonight, right? <laughs> I um, meant like Nantucket. Like I wish. Dream. Um, that was the other thing. I was like, all week I had been planning. I was like, I'll move here. And then what happens to me is like, I can't even, I think of climate change. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm thinking about saving up to buy a house on Nantucket. There's not even going to be a Nantucket. It'll be underwater. And then I go into that. But it's exactly what you said. Most likely the average house goes for 2.4 million. In all likelihood, I won't own a house in Nantucket. But also in all likelihood, Nantucket won't be underwater in my lifetime. Right. I, I would be surprised if you and I saw more than like two places go underwater. Now, I'm not a scientist. That's completely out of my ass. It's just like a sense I have. But that's what I just said. So I said it. Um, but yeah, I had a really good thing queued up about, uh, about yeah, well, it's gone. I think once you said out of my ass, it threw everybody off. I'm sorry. Am I, I'm alienating the, the listeners. No, I don't think our <laughs> listeners are. This is not the kind of... Sh I, anyone who's found this podcast is not going to be triggered by out of my ass or the Jews controlling the weather, I would think. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a comedian. Like, I don't think there's many people here that haven't that are always just like oh this is like a really intelligent person who's gonna say really <laughs> meaningful things but I that's think, it i think uh for me what what's cool is um sorry there's a car horn do you hear that no if i had headphones on if i was a better 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to keep it. talking anyway. And sorry about the car horn because it's just going. But what I think is an, is helpful about you and your show is that you are always trying to feel better. Like I've never talked to you and you've been in a place where you're like, eh, well, it's all meaningless. Like, fuck it. We're all going to die. Like you, you always have hope. And I think I relate to that because I like to always have hope also because why would, why shouldn't we have hope? You know, it feels good to have hope and it's a chance that some of the hopes will become reality. So why not? Yeah. Hope is good. Maybe hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies, uh, which is a line from what film? Yeah, I don't know. No, you (laughs) suck. Uh, The Shawshank Redemption. You ever see it? Oh, actually, I love that movie, but I haven't seen it in a while. So, oh, that's like the key movie. I mean, that's like that's the key line. That's how that ends. Oh, well, it makes me cry every time. I'm probably just like blubbering too much by that time. I mean, that's literally the last line of the movie. I'll be hoping this letter finds you and finds you well. That's not the last line. Then he goes, I'm going to go off and find Oh, God, that movie destroys me. It's a wonderful film and it's a good film to watch when you're uh, feeling some despair. I can remember a moment in my life where I was like in high school and my high school girlfriend and I had like fought or whatever, to whatever extent high school girlfriend and boyfriends fight, but like, it felt like we were going to like break up and it was weird. And then I remember watching that movie and like crying and feeling inspired and then just being like, what am I worried about? Like, it's one of those kind of movies. It does make you feel free. And that's the thing about all this stuff is, and this is where like meditation really helps is that like, we can be, like you said, it's all choices. Like we can be free from all of this at any moment. And the thing we've talked about before, like Eckhart Tolle, I think says it in any moment, you can stop and ask yourself, what is actually wrong right now? And the answer is almost always nothing. Even if you're in uh, the Pacific Northwest where it's 120 degrees and you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. You're still like, all right, I'm just hot or I'm in an air conditioning or whatever. I mean, if you're 85 and you've been outside walking and you don't have anyone to take care of you, there might be a, you might be in a serious issue, but for the most part, you're fine. Right. Yeah. And there's like a freedom. I also feel like anytime I've thought about times I've been in some sort of emergency, like a blackout, or I remember, I think I might've even talked about this last time I was on the podcast, like when 9-11 happened, I was in New York and like in school and like, we all like were like shuttled down to the basement. And obviously it was like a terrible, terrible thing. But like, there were these moments when everyone's kind of like together dealing with these things that we can't control that are like, kind of beautiful and like you you really it's a chance to really like actually connect with the person next to you in a way that we don't usually so like there's a freedom in that like like whatever happens like you'll deal with it and we we have each other you know I mean unless you're like in a situation where you're alone the last person on earth or something but which even that would be kind of fun yeah (laughs) you know um but I I don't know if we were just repeating a conversation because I don't I can't quite remember but um but yeah, 9-11, I think we did talk about this, but you were a kid. You were what, eight? It's 10. 10. Uh, but I remember like that time after after 9-11, like a few days after, was like one of the great times in like the country because everybody felt so together. I was talking about this recently on the 4th of July. I went and saw John Mellencamp like on September 13th, 2001. 
and he sang Pink Houses, which is like, ain't that America? <laughs> like everybody was like going nuts. It was like crazy. Like it was so fun. And this is before the wars and all that stuff and where it got fucking hairy with Bush and everything. But everybody was like fist pumping, hugging, arms around each other. It was like beautiful. It was still like the most moving experience of my life. I remember like bawling and with the high school girlfriend I was just talking about. And, you know, Mellencamp like never like addressed it or talked political. Or anything. Nothing was like divide. It was so united. It was insane. I remember like George Bush had like a bald eagle land on his head and he like <laughs> threw a strike at the World Series. It was like, like it felt it was so it was so like thrilling because you felt together and everybody was so kind and COVID had a lot of that too obviously there's like whatever whatever the fuck I'm not even gonna get into all that shit but like for the most part everybody's for the most part everybody was like okay we're doing this all right we'll give a few feet or we'll wear a mat careful around the old people and I don't know. Ultimately, uh, I started off in one place and I'm ending up in a different place, but ultimately people are good. Most people are good. They're just, some of them are misguided or whatever. Right. And obviously we would prefer those things not to happen in the first place, but it's like, if you are someone who gets anxious about those possible disasters, it's like helpful to remember like those sort of brighter moments that were even possible, even when it was that bad. Right. Just to sort of keep yourself from like going down this this terrible spiral. It's, yeah. That's how it helps me at least. And we'll be able to handle it. And this is something that my therapist reminds me of. And I have to remind myself is that I have this like horrible, crippling fear of like the dentist and I hate it. But in reality, when I'm there, the dentist is like, oh, this is great. You're not fainting. I don't punch him. I don't need to kick. Like I had a, uh, told the story before, but after my, had my wisdom teeth taken, like, they were taking like stitches out. And I was like freaking out and like turning. I was like, oh my God. And he's like, okay, if you start to faint or just raise your hand, if you need me to stop. And he took them all out. And I just sat there and he was like, that was like as good as anybody handles this. Like you're in like the top percentage of people handling stitches removed from their gums. <laughs> And I was like, oh, <laughs> great. But like, I was like freaking out leading up to it, like I had diarrhea and anxiety, but in the moment, and that's what I have to remind myself with climate change or, or getting cancer or whatever else is you'll, you deal with it in the moment you go, okay, we got to pack up and leave our house. We pack up your things and get in the car and get out of here. And then when the water subsides or the heat goes away, we'll come back. Yeah. And you'll like, you know, play a card game while you wait or something. Yeah. I love cards. Yeah, I yeah, I always thought that <laughs> this is kind of, I feel like I don't even want to say this because of my like hypochondria and like jinx and paranoia and stuff, but I will say it. I always thought that if I did like get cancer or some like horrible illness that I'd be like so fun while I had it cuz I I'd, I'd get into this like real fuck it mode and just like be like the life of the party like yeah, I have cancer, you know, whatever, fuck it. Let's uh let's go do fun things or you could, you could go into stripping which you obviously have a, a pension for <laughs> some sort of subconscious thing yeah, yeah. but no i've had that too where like i actually am like really sick and feel like i'm dying like neurovirus puking and shitting and i'm like emotional but i'm kind of like oh, i love you and then like making <laughs> jokes in between so you're like all right i'll, I'll be okay yeah, well, it reminds me of there was some some study done that during COVID, like people who had anxiety already were kind of maybe doing better than people who didn't because it was like, yeah, we are like 
our worst fear sort of came true. So uh, there's nothing more to worry about, you know, it's, it, we, so it's that kind of thing. Like when people like us are, are actually dealing with something, we're like, well, thank God the anxiety is over. We're just dealing with it now. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I, I think we've spoken about this before, either on a podcast or off, but yeah, there's like many studies that people with serious anxiety are best in these situations, um, which I've felt before. I'm like, I, I have this with like, Sarah and I, we flew to Nantucket on a chartered plane. It was like a prop plane. And and Sarah doesn't like, um, what do you call it? Uh, what the fuck's it called when it's choppy? Turbulence. And she freaks out. I'm like, I have no issue with turbulence whatsoever. Or um, it's it's weird, like certain things. I was talking to this about Ranon. Like Ranon loses his mind in turbulence and is convinced he's going to die. But I'm like but you're for sure not like turbulence doesn't take planes out of the sky. And then he'll take the train back to like Bushwick at two in the morning by himself. I'm like, yeah, do you get nervous about that at all? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm right. Like your thing is not dangerous. This thing is dangerous. Like I I've had, everyone I know has had incidences on the subway late at night. No one is knows anybody that's ever crashed from turbulence. Well, yeah, but different people have different anxieties is my point. Right. And Ronan's just stupid. No, I'm kidding. I love Ronan. Um, no, he's a, he's, <laughs> a, he's a big dumb idiot. No, he's the best. <laughs> no, um, I, but it, but I think it's, I don't know. I, I get scared during turbulence. I don't think I'm going to die, but it's just like a scary feeling. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like that feeling at all. So I understand that it could sort of trigger a spiral into that. Um. And then, yeah, you take the train enough times and don't have something bad happen at two in the morning. I guess you just start, start to feel like invincible. That's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, but I, like I take the subway. It's not like I'm like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> but like, I'm, 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 I, I get a little nervous, especially like these, like Steve Rogers just got punched in the face and, um, he did? he you didn't hear about that. <laughs> no, he was in the subway and like some guy walked up to him, spit on him, walked away and then came back and punched him in the face. <laughs> um, I think because his dick is too big. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't tell your emotion. Were you crying or laughing? Uh, it's just that's so, for, of all the people to have that happen to, like, I, that, for, I feel like I'm like, that should have been me. Like, don't do it to Steve. Do it to me. Like, Steve doesn't deserve that. <laughs> no, Steve is like the <laughs> nicest, best person, which I, I feel bad. That reminds me of, uh, I got a him and Andrew Chavon were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was a great episode, but I was on vacation. So I just didn't get a chance to plug it. And then uh, now I feel bad because the next week I was like, everybody check out this episode with Ron on. And I know secretly Steve is just like, wants to shoot himself or Andrew. I can't even imagine. They're probably both puddles. Uh, they both think it was like the worst episode. I always think that if someone doesn't plug a podcast, I do uh, that it's terrible. So did I not plug your podcast when I did it. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, well, you did like a little like wink thing. Like, are you saying I should, pro I should, I should promote you should this probably, one? You should probably plug it. Oh, okay. I was worried that in the past <laughs> when I did your podcast or you were on this podcast that I didn't promote it then. Well, actually, I think you barely did, but that was because it was June, early June of 2020. And it was that time where like, if you promoted anything that wasn't related to like what was going on in the world, people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I think we were all, it was like that hesitant, like two weeks where people were barely promoting things. So I'm going to look back. I feel like I probably promoted it and this is a little conflated, but 
Um, <laughs> I think I promoted, but also, I mean, I reviewed your podcast. I got, there's a review on there. Of my podcast. Yes. I've promoted your podcast. That's yeah. I was talking about the last time we did an episode of your podcast. No, I understood that and then changed it to this other thing. Oh, you were just like, trying to. Okay, yeah, no, I've done other stuff. It's like we talked about earlier. No, like you do something nice and you feel like, hey, just so you know, I mean. Oh, no, you, were, you, you like left the first review. It was very, very nice. I was, I'm eternally grateful to you, Joe. I, I think I said great comedian, decent musician. Yeah, you did. That was great. That was pretty fun. Um <laughs> But anyway, Isabel's a world-class musician, if anyone doesn't know, which is most people. Yeah, why would, yeah. Well, because they've listened to you on here before, probably. Yeah, they might. If someone has encountered me at all before, they probably know because I talk about it a fair amount. Um, Not that I'm world-class, but that I am a musician. Joe said I was world-class, though, so... I mean, wouldn't you say world-class? I mean, I feel like you could learn a song without reading it, just hearing it. You went to uh, Juilliard and you've been playing since you were a fetus. So I would say world-class, right? I thought you were going to say Berkeley. That's why I smiled. I was going to, but then I decided to call an audible because then I'm like, oh, this is like an inside joke where people aren't on inside. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Technically, like, I'd probably fall under some definition of like world-class. Uh, I have, and this would be a whole other podcast. I have a lot of, you know, imposter syndrome, uh, anxiety about my ability and, and think I suck and all that stuff. So it's hard to say that. Um, but yeah, you also, it, it was interesting, you know, doing comedy and all of a sudden meeting people who aren't musicians and seeing what I do from like that perspective, because I was only surrounded by other, you know, quote, world-class musicians. So I was only measuring up to them this is not what we were talking about at all no but um, it's it's interesting because don't you think I, I talk about this a lot too where it's perception but it depends on how you look at it which is what perception means i guess but you think that you feel um imposter syndrome and insecure about your musicianship but if somebody if i was like isabel you fucking blow at viola don't you think you would be like what are you insane I just yeah. played. I just played flawlessly on a fucking show. I don't even give a shit about just just by by rote or by memory, whatever. So like, I always have this theory, and I've said that a million times. But I got to stop being so self conscious about repeating myself. But it's like that in relationships. I don't know if you ever had this feeling where like you're in a relationship and you're like, why is this person with me? I'm not worthy of this. I'm such a piece of shit. And if they were to break up with you, you'd be like, what are you crazy? you think you're going to find someone better than me? Like, I, I love you. I did this. I did that. And like that. And I feel that with comedy too. Like in my mind, I'm like, I'm a hack piece of shit. And if someone's like, yeah, you're good. But this person was strong. I'm like, what are you nuts? That person's a fucking hat. Like I am, I'm doing things you don't even know are happening. I got right. five out, you know, or whatever it is. So I think if somebody watched you and was like, you were tra- somebody that's not a musician was like, I, I didn't care for your playing. Part of you would be like, I went to fucking Juilliard. Right. It's interesting. That's so interesting how that, how that works. Cause it shows that neither one is true. It shows that like, you don't really think you're like the best or amazing, but you also don't think you're shit. Like you actually do like have a sort of middle ground view, but it's like really hard to exist in the middle ground because it's kind of boring. And also the middle ground means that you need, you just have to like keep improving either as a person or at a skill. 
because you're not the best, but you're not the worst. Well, this but is a great, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, it's just easier to either retreat into like crazy egotism or ultimate hopelessness. Right, and both those things are ego. Right. Essentially. I mean, and this is funny because a lot of things, first of all, that goes back to like the middle path that we talked about earlier with like most likely Nantucket won't drown and most likely I won't fucking have a house in Nantucket. Right. Like we were talking about, and that's the, the, the Buddhist way is the middle path they talk about, which I find with like all of like politics, all of this like radicalization, all the answers, every debate you see and on the new everywhere is the answer somewhere in the middle. And that's the same with our psyche is like, you try to follow the middle path of I'm not a piece of shit, nor am I the greatest. And we have a saying, we talk about like the piece of shit at the center of the universe. We're always like, I'm a piece of shit. Everybody, I'm not worthy of any love or any success. And everybody is thinking about it right now. All the world is thinking about what a piece of shit I am, which is a crazy amount of ego and self-hatred at the same time. Right. And I, whenever I go into the like, I suck, I'm a piece of shit thing, it's like, I'm trying to sort of put up a wall, like as if if someone were to insult me, then I could be like, well, I know, like I said it first kind of thing. But it's just a funny thing to be afraid of. Like, why, why are we afraid of just sort of thinking we're great? And then if someone insulted us just being like, no, nah, you're wrong. Like, why is that something we try to avoid have happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's protection, and I'm sure, like everything, it comes from childhood, some kind of childhood psychology. I think. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what you call a dead spot in a show. Um, but look at this guy I bought, made from repurposed stuff. What is that? It's like an octopus type of guy. Oh, it's, it's, it's just like a decorative old... thing you bought. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I keep it on this ball that is a um chromoscope. Oh, what's what's a chromoscope? It's like is a it... kaleidoscope, but it's actually I can you can see like through it instead of colors. Like I can see you in here, but you're like flipping upside down. Oh. It's like, wait, can I do it like this? Will you be able to see in here? I can like wait, maybe actually. <laughs> And I just see like your weird hand, but it's doing oh, right. it here. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm blocking it. That's why. Hold on. Try again. <laughs> um, kind of. I can see through it, but I don't think I'm getting the full effect. Yeah. Well, someday I'll, you know, you'll be over here at a party and uh, we'll, I'll bust it out and everyone will be like, oh my God, that's really cool. <laughs> just a terrible reaction to this guy though. I really thought that was going to I thought us. it was like a functional thing. No. no. Are you like an, do you like octopus? They're very smart. I like bus. Strippers. Wow. Do that again. Show everybody that. I, I mean, that has to be like the greatest stupid human trick of all time. Did you know I was sending big Dick Rogers? I was telling Steve, big Dick Rogers. I don't know if you know that nickname. Steve is a huge cock. I weirdly do know that. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know that, but you don't know how to take a sip of water. Um, <laughs> Steve Rogers, I was with him and we were talking about you for some reason or another. I'm sure it was along anxiety lines. And I said, Isabel has this thing where she can honk her horn. And I was describing it and I started laughing because I'm like, it's insane. Like you can't even believe it. And he's like, what are you talking? He's like, that can't be real. And I pulled up the video of you doing it on Instagram and he was convinced it wasn't real. He's like, that's fake. 
And then there was a moment where I'm like, wait, am I a fucking idiot that's like been buying this thing and it is fake? And yeah, I just, just pull out like a. <laughs> well, maybe you're doing it with your mouth. I mean, I it's it's just articulated humming that I use. Wait, what? You think my nose just literally? You think my nose just literally honks? Wait, so what are you doing? How are you so, doing? So I'm just going. <laughs> but when I do this, it makes it like sharper. So I think. <laughs> oh, so it is with your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's like honking. It's just like uh, incredible pitch accuracy to an actual horn. Right. Okay. Plus articulation from the nose. So is that because you're a world-class musician or could I do this without going to Juilliard? I'm sure you could figure it out. Maybe. <laughs> well, don't use your lip. You're going like, <laughs> <laughs> see, like the mouth doesn't move. It's just like, <laughs> right. It helps. The nose really springs it. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. It's really good. But I do think, and I think we've talked about this before. <laughs> that I am very good at doing musical instruments with my mouth better than average. Like I'll, I'll do the, this is um, trumpet. And then this trombone. That's not a great trombone. I'll figure out the trombone, but then stand up bass is really my like, like unbelievable. That's the best one. Yeah, that's the best one. But the trumpet's pretty good. The trumpet sounds like like an old trumpet. Are you doing taps? That's right. I mean, I think those are pretty good. How's that? <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not as good as mine, but it's very good. All right. Well, this has come off the rails and um, it's about that time to wrap it up. But this is, I think this has been great and I got a lot out of it. I hope everyone else did. All right. No, this was great. Seriously. I really uh, enjoyed the hell out of this. I always enjoy seeing you, uh, talking to you and, and we'll talk off here. Maybe I'll uh, see you later or uh, sometime this week or whatever, but um, plug, plug whatever it is you want to plug your, your YouTube, uh, your series, yeah. which I'm in, I'm excited. Yeah, subscribe to my YouTube because I got a web series called Is a Violist and the next episode's coming out probably in the next month. And Joe is a, the star of the fifth episode. So you want to be first one for that. Subscribe. And then just, you know, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Isabel Hagen underscore. And that's that covers it. Awesome. Kick ass. Isabel, you're the best. It's always nice talking to you. I always feel better after. Appreciate Likewise. you doing this. And um, we'll talk real soon. And by soon, I mean in like a moment when I hit stop. Thanks, everybody. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.